0: Okay, so back to Luke chapter 1. Can I go on now? Is that okay? Make sure I don't get out of order again. I'm going to read for us verses 26 to 38. You'll recognize this story, and let's see what we can learn about trusting God. Luke chapter 1, I'll begin at verse 26. As you're able, would you please stand to hear God's word? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth Lots of voices in our world saying, you should be afraid. But hear the voice of God today to your life. Do not be afraid. Fear not. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Appreciate it. Today I want to talk about the fear of what God has planned for us. Think about that. The fear of what God has planned for us. Is that a real fear? Can that be possible? Let me put it in this context. Sometimes we treat God like we treat the annoying person that always wants something from us. You know, you're, uh, you're receiving a call and you check, you check the ID and you see who's calling you and you go, I think I'll just let that go to voicemail. Because that person is annoying. That person always wants something. And so you, you let it go. You, you're out in the public and you're like, oh man, there's old so-and-so. Now don't point to them right now if they're, if they're in the room. That's, that's not what I'm going for. <laughs> and so you avoid them. You're at the grocery store and you're pushing your cart and you see them on one aisle, you move down to the next aisle. Because, you know, they just affect you that way. And sometimes, I think even unknowingly, many of us can treat God that way. In other words, we want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff. I mean, we want to get God's blessing and favor and His, His presence in our lives. But, but we're concerned and we, we hesitate to go all in because, because if I really totally surrender my whole life to God, in mind, He might ask me to do something that I wouldn't like. I mean, He might send me to Africa or... or <laughs> Or he might, he might, he might uh, ask me to give up something that I really enjoy. Or ask me to marry someone who's, who's ugly. Is that, is that too much? Too much maybe? Too far? <laughs> all you people with halos, sorry for the offense there. Yeah. What if I give, give it all to him and my life doesn't turn out the way that I had it planned? And so we withhold and we... And we with, uh, withdraw from God's plan for us sometimes in that way. We can say that, uh, that when, you, when you're afraid of something like that, that it's almost placing your faith in the what-ifs. You ever done this? You know, what if I lose my job? What, what if someone, someone I love gets cancer? What if, what if the economy collapses? What if, what if some terrorists, you know, Throws a bomb in the middle of the room I'm in. What, what if this happens? And we, we let our imaginations go. And it's just so unhealthy to do that. The Apostle Paul said we, could, we should bring down, cast down, pull down imaginations. We, we do this. We're guilty of this. I mean, uh, you know, your spouse is a little bit late. He's due. She's due. But she's late. Or your, or your son or daughter, your teenager, you know, is out in the car and they're late getting home. They've missed curfew. And so your imagination starts to run. So, oh, it's probably because they've, they've been in an accident. They've been hurt. My, my wife, she's dead. My, she, my wife's dead. My life's over. And we, we let our imagination run that way. But it's not good. It is not good. In fact, the word of God today for us is do not be afraid. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is from the Apostle Paul. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Isn't that great? Isn't that reassuring? Love and power and a sound mind. That's that's better than fear. So why is it that we are oftentimes afraid of God's plan? Why is that? Well, there could be a lot of answers. Let me just give you a few this morning in this brief message. The first one that's on your outline is this. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Why do we get afraid of God's plans? Well, Often, God's interruptions are inconvenient. This angel appears to Mary, of course, and you need to understand that this is not some little wispy angel. This is not a, one of these little naked, pot-bellied, you know, wispy little, wispy-haired little tinkerbells, you know, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. This is an archangel. His name is Gabriel. There are two such archangels. One is Gabriel, the other is Michael. And these are fierce, warrior-like angels. They are are the, the magnificent sons of God. They are awesome. These angels have the power at the command of God could wipe out an entire nation. Or they are so submissive to the will and ways of God that they can go to a young teenage virgin girl and reassure her of God's plan for her life and care for her. They are magnificent creatures of God. If an archangel, if Gabriel presented himself in this room right now, I promise you, you would not stay seated in your chair. If Gabriel, the archangel, suddenly appeared today in this room, you would dive out of your chairs onto the floor. You would grab someone close to you and pull them in front of you to shelter you somehow. And they would be trying to do the same with you. There would be chaos in the room. There would be gasping. There would be crying. There, there would be... There'd be some, of you, some of you would pass out. You would just check out. Oh, I can't take this. You just lay down and go to sleep. Because these are, these are magnificent creatures of God. And so when the Bible says that she was greatly troubled... At the appearance of this angel, I mean that's just that's just a nice way of saying she's freaking out, she's she's unnerved, she's undone by this angel. And so here she is. She's greatly troubled, (laughs) confused, and disturbed. Oh my gosh, is what she's saying. Now, this is a this is a young girl. We don't know how old she is, maybe 13, 14, 15, 16. We know that she is past puberty. And the reason we know that is a girl in first century Palestine, when she hits puberty, she is now ready for childbearing. A, a woman in first century Palestine would have an average lifespan of about 35 or 40 years old. And so once she makes it to 15, she is, she is ready to marry. And so she is indeed betrothed to a man named Joseph. And we know that part of her story. And now she has been interrupted by God. If she was a modern-day girl, she would be on Pinterest, trying to learn some things about, about her life and about her wedding and how to get that all together. She would, she would be practicing signing her name with Joseph's name so she could get it just right. She'd be picking out names for her, her future children, you know, like Chloe or Bobo or Robbie, something like that, all perfectly fine names. And so here's what we can learn from this story. And I'll put this up on the screen because it's important for us. Very important principle is that what we call interruptions, God often sees as invitations. Those times that we feel like God is interrupting me, he's often actually inviting us to something higher, to something better. You remember Moses. Moses was perfectly at peace. He was semi-retired. He was a shepherd in the desert of Midian. And his life, he thought, was pretty much over. Until the burning bush and the call to be a deliverer to the nation of Israel. And, the, and history has changed. A holy interruption now becomes not only inconvenient, but a possibility for greater things. You remember Jonah was in this kind of situation. God called him to preach to the, to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. And he said, look, I hate the Ninevites. I'm not going. So he gets on a boat, heads the other direction. They find out he's, he's the problem. They pitch him overboard. Now he's got to swim for it. You know, that's, a, that's an interruption when you have to swim from the middle of the Mediterranean, try to get back to shore. And then, and then he's swallowed by a big fish. How many of you know that's not on his bucket list? That's not something he wants to check off. I want to swim across the Mediterranean, be eaten by a fish. And so he's out there, and God interrupts him. But it's an opportunity for him because as he's laid out on the shores of Nineveh, he preaches a message of repentance. We find the same thing with Saul of Tarsus. He was the chief persecutor of the early church. He was killing Christians left and right until God interrupted his life. The great light, and he's knocked to the ground, temporarily blinded. And after his conversion, and he writes his life, he becomes the great apostle Paul, ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Interruptions may be inconvenient to us, but they are oftentimes opportunities, invitations that God gives us for something bigger, something greater, something higher. Can you, can you get an ear for that? It's actually true. I believe there are many of us who often shake off God's invitations because, interpreting them as just a nuisance or an interruption in our lives when God really wants to do something significant in our lives. This happens to many of us. One day we were invited to church a friend invited us to church, a spouse invited us to church, someone we knew said, why don't you come to church with us, you'll love it there, you know, it's not, it's not like your average church, it's a little different, you will it's really fun, so why don't you come, and you'll enjoy it, and you push back, and you say, you know, I, I, that's really not for me, I'm not really a religious person, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not, I'm not into organized, and so I, so, no, but they persist because that's the way Union Chapel people are. They're loving and they're persistent and they say, come on, you've got to check it out at least once. Come, come with me and try it out. And so you finally gave in, but internally you said, you know, I can endure anything for about an hour and I'll just go there and, you know, I'll just get through that and then it'll be over. But something happened to you and you showed up at church and then you, you met someone and it impressed you or you heard someone say something or one of the songs touched your heart or part of the message actually. And you began to sense, it, it surprised you, it caught you off guard, but you actually began to sense that God was drawing you to himself. And it, it was curious to you and interesting to you. And, and you couldn't resist this warmth that you were feeling of God's love toward you. And for many, many of you, you made a decision, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give my life to God. I think this is the right thing to do. And your sins were forgiven and hope was given to your life and your entire worldview began to change. Your life has been dramatically different because you said yes to God's holy interruption in your life. And this is the way it works. And it continues to happen in your life because you're busy and there's Christmas details and lots of shopping to do, but you've got a friend who's in the hospital and you kept getting this urge or this sense that God wants you to go visit your friend in the hospital and you push back and say, look, I got nothing to give my friend who's in the hospital. I don't even like being in the hospital. You know, sick bothers me. And so, no, it's not for me, but you can't shake it. And so you finally go to the hospital and you visit your friend and God uses you in a beautiful way to care for your friend. You're amazed by that interruption, which had God's better plan in it. And so there are other opportunities that come to us. You come to church and you hear there's a need for volunteers and we need, in all these areas of the church, people to help. And, and, and you hear someone say, you know, in the children's area, we need help with, with kids. And you go, I don't know. I don't even like kids. I'm not not going to sign up for that. But you have this this pull, this urge, this sense that God wants you to be engaged somehow. So you go to the booth where the, the children's workers are all set up. And you say, okay, I'll try. can I try this for just for a while? Yeah, I just try it for a few weeks. And six months later, you step back and you say, God help me. But the most exciting thing in my life, the thing I look forward to more than anything else, is that one hour on Sunday morning when I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of fourth graders telling them about the Bible. So enriching, so fulfilling in my life. So why are we often afraid of God's plans? Well, number one, because his interruptions are often inconvenient. And here's the second thing. It's on your outline. It's simply this. God's purpose is often different than our plans. God's purpose is often different than our plans. Now think about it. There must have been a moment in Mary's life. Imagine this if you can possibly get your mind around this. Imagine this when the angel gives her this message And she goes, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I am called to be the mother of God? Are you kidding me? And then she gets a little closer to her reality on the earth, and she says, oh, my gosh, what are people going to say? What are people going to think about me? Because being pregnant out of wedlock, this this is not good. You can get in big trouble, serious trouble, deadly trouble. Oh, my gosh. And then she goes, Joseph! Oh no! Can you imagine? She got her smartphone. She's going, should I just text him and tell him? <laughs> or maybe I should call him as to talk to him in person? Joe? Joey? Honey? Uh, are you sitting down? <laughs> What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong. Why are, you, why are you talking like this? I have, I have some good news. Well, tell me, what's, what's the good news? Well, here's the good news. I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> How's that going to work? I don't know. See, God's purpose Mary's got to live through all that stuff, but God's purpose, watch it now, His purpose is different than our plan. And God's purpose in her life was way, 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 way different than her plans. And that's often the case in our lives as well. Some of you dream about getting married and having this beautiful family, and you think all of your children are going to be healthy, but number three is on the way, and you discover that this baby isn't going to be healthy at all. This is going to be a special needs baby. And it's devastating to you. And you have to wrestle with that. And you ask, why? Why, God, is this happening to us? Why us and why now? Why not someone else? And you have that baby and sure enough, it's needy. It's special. And the years pass by and you care for that baby. And you begin to realize, though, as time goes on that, hey, this baby, you, you, you actually come to this moment. And you realize this this child has been a great blessing because this baby has taught us how to love, love one another and love God and trust God, how to love other people who also have special needs. And you look back on it and you say, it's the best thing that ever happened to us. And you lose your job and you say, that's the end of me. This was my dream job. This is the one that I always wanted, and now it's gone. It's lost. And you think, this is the end of my life, and I'm devastated. I'll never recover. And the circumstances are such that it opens up this idea. You've always had this idea germinated in your head about a new business. And because of that situation, you decide, what have I got to lose? So you start this business, and it begins to grow, and God begins to bless it. And you step back years later, and you say, you know, the most important thing that ever happened to me is when I lost my job. God's purposes are often different than our plans. And God's interruptions often are invitations for us to actually go up and become bigger and better, more blessed as a result. I uh, have seen this many, many times. Folks have been betrothed. They've been engaged. They've They've had a long-standing relationship with someone they anticipate marrying. They think this is the perfect person for their life. And that when that collapses and implodes for whatever reason, there's devastation that follows. But God actually had someone else, someone better in mind for them. And they marry the person that God designed for their life. And suddenly it makes sense. And on and on these examples go. God has plans to bless you. In other words, he has Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you a future. That's the design of God for your life. Let me put this uh, statement on the screen for you because I want you to hear it. There will be a time, and I promise for all of you who are followers of Jesus, that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something different. Hear it now. And his purpose is going to be different than your plan, and he's going to ask you to have faith and believe him. To have faith, trust him, believe him. It Could be that God's asking you to forgive someone. You say, no, I can't do that. You don't know what they did to me. Don't ask me to forgive that person. I, I've been able to forgive everyone who's offended me in my life, but not that, not that one. But it may be that God is saying, yes, I want, you to, I want you to take the first steps of forgiveness, even in that case, and then let me give you the grace necessary to complete that process. It could be that you are in a moment right now in your life where you need to trust God with your giving. You know, it seems like Union Chapel asks for a lot. Yeah, that's that's our move. That's what we do. And maybe God's asking you to trust Him more and to be more generous as a person with your time and your talent and your treasure. You say, well, you know, I just can't. And you can rationalize it a hundred ways, just like I could. But this is God's plan. And he asks you to take a step of faith and trust in him and see if he doesn't meet your need and provide for you in your life. Maybe in your case, it's your marriage. Because you're, you know your marriage not only is in crisis, your marriage is done. If someone asked you to place a percentage on the success of your potential marriage future, you'd say, I, I have no zero percent. My marriage is over. And it could be God would speak to you, interrupting you and say, you know, if you'll trust me, if you'll take a step in my direction, I'll heal your marriage. You say, well, that's not possible. You don't understand. It's not possible. It can't be done. God says, maybe if you'll trust me, I'll show you something. Let me remind you of Mary's situation. When we read the story about Mary, we're all in with this story. We love this story. I mean, it's a great story. We know that We know how it all turns out. And we understand that it worked, all worked out. we go, well, yeah, Mary, this is the archangel. He's given you the word and will of God. So just do what he says. Everything will be fine. Trust us on this. We've seen, we've seen how the story ends there. But you put yourself in Mary's situation. And she looked at this angel who said, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be really special. And she looked at him and says, that's, that's a really interesting story. But that's impossible. Now, I'm, I, may be, I may be young, but I know how babies are made. And unless you've had a relationship with a man, you can't make a baby. So, dude, that's impossible. And she was right, wasn't she? She was right about that. But what does the angel say to her? He says back to her, no, no, you're confused about that, Missy. You are young and you do, you do understand your biology, but this isn't limited to some kind of natural sequence. For nothing shall be impossible with God. Whatever God says, He will do. <laughs> she said, Well, that's impossible. And Gabriel said, No, no. And so you may push back and you say, Look, I can't forgive that person. I can't give that amount. I can't be that generous. I can't believe God for the restoration of my marriage or the, the correction of my business. I can't. You, listen, you don't understand the circumstances, Pastor Greg. This is impossible. And what I say to you is, Nothing shall be impossible with the God we serve. He can do anything. His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so don't place your puny limitations on what God wants to do in your life. I don't know who came here today for this, but this is the moment in this message that you came here for. Because there's an area of your life where you are hopeless and you feel helpless. And there is, there's no way. It's impossible for you. But here's the message that God wants you to hear. Do not be afraid, for nothing shall be impossible if God is with you. And he wants to do a great thing. It could be that you need reconciliation with one of your own children. So you don't know what he said to me. You don't know what she said. No. God knows. Maybe it's you're believing God to heal someone you love. And the doctor said it's impossible. I'm just saying today nothing is impossible with God. I don't know who came to church today just to hear this important moment, but what's impossible for you is impossible with God. Now, I want to want to ask you now very simply this question. What might God be asking you to do? What might God be asking you to believe? he's asking you to do something is he asking you to believe something this is what mary was faced with maybe he's maybe he's asking you to start a ministry that he's placed on your heart for many years maybe it's restore a relationship maybe it's go back to college maybe it's to change your major in college Uh, maybe it's to reach out to someone who's far from god what is it that god wants you to do what is it god wants you to believe now here's the last point. I want to I just want to add this because this is the critical linchpin now to everything that we've been talking about. Watch it. It's on your outline. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. Outcome is his, obedience is ours. See how that works? We obey, he performs. We say yes, he does the work. We take the step, he meets us right there. Outcome is God's responsibility. So some of you may be sensing God calling you to start a small group. I have no capacity for a small group. I, I, don't, I just got here. I just moved here. I don't know anyone. I'm not sure my home is appropriate. I don't God's saying, I want you to start a small group. So what is your responsibility? Obey. What is His responsibility? Outcome. See how it works? <laughs> Maybe maybe he wants you to start tithing. Look, there's a thousand reasons why we can't tithe. Pastor Greg, stop talking about that because we can't do it. Sorry, we can't do it. It's not possible, so leave us alone about that. What is your responsibility? Obey. What is God's responsibility? Perform. Outcome belongs to him. Obedience belongs to us. I'm just saying Some of you are raising children right now, and you love your little family. You've got a beautiful little nest, but you can't shake this idea that there may be another baby out there somewhere, maybe through adoption or foster parenting, that God wants you to take care of. And you just can't shake it. You mention it to your husband, and he goes, get ye behind me, Satan. Don't push. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't shake it. What is your responsibility to obey? What is God's? To perform. Yeah. Outcome belongs to Him. God, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to believe? Now here's Mary. Here's here's our model. We're we're 50 feet from touchdown. Watch. Watch, here we are. Here's the first thing that Mary says in response to this crazy, impossible idea. Here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant. in other words i this isn't my life i don't belong to me i belong to him i am the lord's servant and then she said may it be done to me according to what you said may everything you've said about me may it come true that's what she said she models for us doesn't she she gives us this wonderful example of what it looks like to be a fully fo- devoted follower of god's best plan for our lives she said i am the servant of god May it be done to me according to your words. And there she is. Did she do well? Yeah. Did she fulfill her mission? She did it. Was, was she interrupted? Yeah. Was it, was it in her plan, her scheme? No. But did she obey? Yes. Did God provide the outcome? We have much to learn from this girl, don't we? We have much to learn. So let's pause and pray just for a minute. As you take a moment, I want to ask you very simply this question again. What, oh God, are you leading me to do or to believe? Some of you right now in the room, you already know because of these examples I've mentioned in this message, you've already been thinking about this. You know what it is. And you know what he's asking you to do. And so... I just want to encourage you to obey. Trust Him with everything. Be fully surrendered to Him and make make the commitment. For others of you, you, would you just agree to pray? Whatever He directs me to do, I'm going to commit to obey. Whatever He asks you to do, would you obey? Now, Lord, I thank you for those who are courageous enough to say, God, I don't want my will, my plans, my dreams. I want yours. Just like Mary, God, help us to remember who we are, surrender to you as true servants, not serving our own desires, our own plans, our own goals, but God wanting to do what you created us to do and to accomplish for your glory. So help us, we pray, to overcome our fears in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.